0: Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio Interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Navigating through the minefield of misinformation, intelligence operations, predictive programming. This is Connecting the Dots with Matt Aron on today's News Talk TNT Radio. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Connecting the Dots, where we...
1: Look at context. That's that's the whole point of this show is really to, to give people a sense, not just of context as far as history, context, the currents of the past that are shaping our present age, but the world as a whole. Oftentimes, people get a little bit myopic thinking about one part of the world in a compartmentalized way or another part of the world that they're comfortable with. And they, they don't see the world as one process, one chemistry in which there's many elements, and each element is is affected by the entire chemistry of the whole process. So that process being shaped by humans is obviously shaped by the thing that makes us different from beasts, which is ideas. And some of some ideas and sets of ideas can be in harmony with what people have known for for many, many, many centuries and millennia before we were born more more commonly as natural law, a.k.a. truth, reasonability, things that are verifiable according to the nature itself Um, and certain ideas. are are lies they're just out of whack with natural law they're out of whack with truth they're deceitful they're wrong by by mistake by error or by design whatever the case may be but when it acted upon it doesn't go well for humanity or nature so right now uh we are in a crisis uh we have we are living in the wake of a lot of bad ideas built on each other that have done a lot of damage to humanity a lot of the great potentials we had going back to JFK delivering his speeches about the world that could be of a of a world with uh, with hydroelectric dams built up, harnessing the power of rivers for flood control, for agriculture, for energy use, for industry, for farms, that type of process that was very optimistic and not just American. When we when we were actually building things built on the, based on the future and the future potential, but also for Africa, where there were discussions with Kwame Nkrumah and many leaders of the African nations with John F. Kennedy around building the Volga River Dam. That would help increase the productive powers of labor, the industrial output, such that these countries that had suffered under colonialism could finally be liberated, could finally meet the the needs of their people to end hunger and poverty and scarcity, which is at the heart of so many wars and conflicts manipulated by the by the so-called elite. So this is why I'm really happy today to talk about something very important that touches on a lot of this stuff. And a good friend of mine, Courtney Turner, agreed to come on. She has made herself. Whether she knew that she was going to make herself a specialist or not, I don't know, going into it. But she has become, I'm quite persuaded. I've listened to her her presentations on her fantastic podcast that everyone should follow. The Courtney Turner podcast, as well as some interesting testimony in uh, the Tennessee state legislature, which uh, just occurred a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago. um, On the issue of not just natural asset companies, but the entire paradigm shift that's being forced down our throat subtly and not so subtly. Around um, some very, very what I would say bad ideas that will hurt humanity and, ironically, nature itself as well. So, Cordy, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
2: Me, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, look, I, 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 I was so. so I was just yeah. so
1: impressed to to, oh. to see your your cover. There's a bit of a lag on my on my end. Just so people watching know, if I if I shut down, we had a big big bad windstorm. Uh, recently in the Internet's been a little bit haywire. So Courtney may just end up on this show <laughs> doing the, the hosting all on her all on own. So don't be surprised if that happens. But there's a bit of a lag. So Courtney, um, I got a question for you. I, I was very impressed um, with your your uh, presentation that you were asked to deliver to the state senators in uh, in Tennessee regarding uh, natural asset companies and the, the broader um, I guess again, the only word I, I have is this eco-fascist financialization of nature, paradigm shift.
2: Yeah. Could you
1: go through the essentials that people need to know about what you said, what what you told the the senators and and what citizens need to understand, because this affects people in Australia, Europe, Canada, as well as America.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, no, I did not know that I was going to be a specialist, and uh, I still do not consider myself a specialist. Um, however, I felt just very, like, called to to sound the alarm. And I had heard about it, and uh, I was actually, I started a radio show, uh, I think I just did last night, and I was exhausted, so I don't know how well it came out. But um, <laughs> I just started a radio show, and it was the 22nd episode already, uh, but I had planned a show that I had been doing some pretty extensive research on, and then I found out about these natural asset companies and found out they were basically kind of like, you know, the conspiracy, literal conspiracy on Jekyll Island where the Federal Reserve decided to give us our income tax as a Christmas present. That's what they wanted to do with this uh, proposed rule that the New York Stock Exchange was partnering up with uh, the Intrinsic Exchange Group to list this new uh, asset of companies on the New York Stock Exchange. They wanted to pass it through during the holidays and was hoping, I think, at least this is how it appeared, that you know they could quietly pass it through and nobody would really notice. And uh, so I realized time was of the essence. And I said, okay, I don't know much about this, but I'm going to do a deep dive uh, and do whatever I can to sound alarm. If I'm doing a radio show, then hopefully somebody will hear it and somebody will care. Uh, so I uh, started to research as much as I possibly can. And what I basically found out was that it seems that the alarm was sound by Marlo Oakes, who is the state treasurer for Utah, And now, after watching the video you sent me uh, about, you know, back in the 1870s, uh, it makes sense why it was the Western states that were, you know, all... I I thought it was just because they have a lot more, you know, rural land over there. But now I see that this is, of course, as usual by design. Uh, So he sounded the alarm and he got uh, 22 other state treasurers together. And they all petitioned to what happened was the intrinsic exchange group who is backed by the usual suspects, the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, Abadir Labs, uh, sorry, Abadir Ventures, which is an interesting company because they're a technology venture company that typically specializes in uh, healthcare technologies. And I don't Mm. think that's a coincidence. You would think, why are they involved in something like natural asset companies? But I can give you my thoughts on that. I can only speculate, but I do think it's not unrelated. Uh, Then it was IBD and then IBD Labs and then Entertaining Ideas, who I I can't find anything on there, but the name itself seems pretty interesting. It sounds like a propaganda uh, outfit. I don't know. I can't prove that, but that's, I can't find anything on them. But those were the funding entities behind this intrinsic exchange group. And some of their sub partners were people like Nestle, who was involved in the bottled water scam, uh, and uh, also the uh, wild uh, the wildlife uh
1: World, uh, yeah, the World Wildlife Fund. yes,
2: exactly. Yeah. Which of course the brainchild of Julian Huxley, one of the forerunners of UNESCO, uh who coined the term transhumanism in 1957, although Max Moore seems to be claiming that title uh, <laughs> as the you know originer uh, originator of that word, but um, uh, but we know you know Julian Huxley, and of course he was a e- eugenicist, and uh yeah, so they so those are some of the sub. Uh, partner. And it's interesting when you watch the – this intrinsic exchange group seems to have been created solely for this purpose. And when you watch some of the videos with the CEO, Douglas Eggers, he talks about how this was so difficult to get it off the ground because it requires so much money. And most investors just don't understand the scope of projects like this. But they're very fortunate because the Rockefellers understand this type of philanthropy. And they know that you just have to keep pouring more and more money in. Uh, but that, you know, you will see the value. And of course, for them, what the value is, is that they think that there's going to be $5 quadrillion on the table for them. This is why when, so I had done this video for my show, and uh, some friends of mine were at a political event in East Tennessee, and uh, one of the senators was there, and he had brought up NACs. Uh, so some people call it NAC, some people call it Nax. It's called Natural Asset Companies. So this was this new category of companies that was going to be put up on the New York Stock Exchange. And he asked if anybody knew about it and only three people raised their hands. Two of them were my friends and they said, oh, our friend just did a show on this and it sounds really scary. He said he wasn't all that familiar with it, but he would like to talk to me. He called me and he asked if I would come and present for the Senate. So in the meantime, we were very fortunate because there was a lot of pushback. So in addition to uh, Marlo Oaks, who's the treasurer of Utah, there were also 25 state attorney generals, who put together a uh, comment. So what was happening was they, it was unprecedented where typically when the SEC uh, proposed a rule, you have anywhere from 35, in some cases, 90 days uh, for people to submit comments. And, uh, you know, then they go through a rebuttal process. In this case, they were doing only 21 days. So it was unprecedented yeah. for it to be that short a time period, which You know, I I can only conjecture because they were really hoping they would just quietly sneak it through. And so that was the uh, rebuttal, was that, you know, we need a longer time frame. And the pushback did uh, warrant, it it ended up in them extending the time period for the comments. So uh, then uh, it was 25 state attorney generals and they submitted their comments. And it was mostly uh, around a legal case. So they were kind of presenting the argument that this was unlawful. It was a, an illegal move on the behalf of the SEC and the New York Stock Exchange. The New York Stock Exchange was double dipping here because they were uh, partnered with the Intrinsic Exchange Group, as well as, of course, you know, petitioned to the SEC to propose this rule to list these companies up on the New York Stock Exchange so that they would, uh, you know, benefit on both sides. Conflict of interest, in my opinion. Uh, but they did propose this, uh, you know, the legal argument against it. And so I, when I did the show, what really my I, I ended up going on, I think 15 shows saying I just want people to submit comments because I didn't think that they we would stop it. I thought that, well, okay, if we submit enough comments, everybody who submits comments will have legal standing. So we would have a much bigger class action suit. And that would be the next, you know, step if they did push it through. So what would this mean? All this, you know, kind of a backstory of what was happening. Uh, what would it mean? It means that there would be a new uh, class of category of companies up on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, sorry, so sorry. So back up a minute. They did end up withdrawing the proposal. Lots of people submitted, uh, and I guess they felt like they, you know, couldn't just ram this through. Uh, you know what I said to the when I spoke to the subcommittee, I tailored it to the uh, agricultural. Um, implications because I was speaking to the agricultural subcommittee. Uh, obviously, this is this has implications way beyond just agriculture. But that's who I was speaking to, and uh, in that time, there was it was delayed for weather, and it, they also did end up withdrawing the proposal. But I uh, said that I still wanted to come speak because I think they are just going to rebrand, retool. You know, this agenda has been in the works for such a long time. This is not new. It was just a new approach, a new way and a new way of commodifying. I used to make the joke that they were going to commodify the air, <laughs> you know, and uh, here they are. That's literally what they're doing. Um, So they thought they would make uh, five upwards of five quadrillion dollars on, you know, this listing of these new companies. And the way that they plan to do that was through uh, what they call carbon pricing, uh, carbon credits, carbon offsets. It's really just taxing or doing an offset. You know, uh, the example would be like Al Gore, who, you know, he makes all of this – he, he makes all this noise about how the climate is in jeopardy and, you know, we're, we're uh, using too much uh, carbon dioxide. And meanwhile, of course, he's flying his jets everywhere and his home is one of the most, uh, you know, the highest use of <laughs> carbon dioxide. But he says not to worry about it because he has purchased so many carbon offsets. That he's actually really doing good for the planet uh so this is this the scam that they're running it reminds me a lot of it's, the derivatives that led us to the 2008 crash of the stock market i'll just, I'll just
1: say quick quick yeah. to interject <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of the indulgences of the medieval uh church period right where to get it you'd get these you get to buy these get out of hell free cards if you just had enough <laughs> money you could do your orgies you could kill your servant whatever but you got the money to buy the little indulgence So uh, you're not going to pay any consequences for it. You could tell the the raging mob of pitchfork wielding, torch bearing, angry serfs that no, hey, look, don't worry, I I paid for my indulgence. It's good. I'm not sinful anymore. So it's it's sort of a revamp. Yeah, I I just wanted to.
2: (laughs) Yes, that's that's exactly it. Exactly, they're 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 good people because they have used their you know tremendous wealth to offset any you know, potential harm they may have done. So uh, that's essentially how they thought they were going to make money on this. And, of course, I looked at it thinking, oh, my gosh, they're going to, you know, completely uh, decimate the economy, not only the earth, but... Uh, as you know by do by implementing this so because it reminded me so much of the derivatives so you know which is essentially hedging bets on bets <laughs> you know it's a it's a complete nonsense and what how this kind of rolled out is this has been as I said in the works for such a long time but in the uh, what's going on I want to point out what's going on with the farmers in Europe right now they already have natural asset companies there uh, they don't call it natural asset companies but back in 2012 the uh, UN had proposed what I call a voodoo economic system, but they call it the SEA ecosystem accounting. Uh, it was their white paper document, and it stands for systems of environmental uh, economic account. Environmental economic sorry ec- systems of economic environmental accounting ecosystem accounting sorry it's a mouthful mm. um and so they have proposed this white paper back in 2012 and it was a way of valuing nature so of course that we don't have any uh heuristics for valuing nature so they had to pretty much make this up and they don't work with the you know, typical, uh, generally accepted accounting principle, which I have a really funny side note about that. So when I uh, looked up the, you know, when you keep, when you look at a document and then you hover over it and you look up, uh, you, you click on like up and then like a Wikipedia page will show up. So mm-hmm. I wanted to know what were traditional, generally accepted accounting principle. And what comes up is this gap demon. <laughs> and i was like (laughs) wow well i mean this could totally be a coincidence but here's the thing this is what a gap demon is the gap demon is a medical demon that comes to women to help them find a partner but it renders them infertile and if you think about that that's kind of what they were doing to land they were uh you know making it so that it was very attractive to a financial partner but it you couldn't produce on it so very uh, this is part of a degrowth kind of communist agenda where typically when you value something it's because it's producing there's a product that is yielded and that has value or there is a you know it's essentially a product whether it's labor or it's a you know a finished product or intellectual property but there's a product in this case they are valuing the what they call low yield or no yield, so essentially non-production, and this was just terrifying because it means that there could be no, essentially, no produ- production on that land, mm-hmm. and you don't even. I, I want to, I want to,
1: I want to yeah. scratch on that uh, a lot more. Yeah. I think that that's one of the most potent concepts that people have to hold in mind. That it's sort of like an evil doppelganger of what an economy should be, and what we have historically done economically regarding. Having, um, I mean, the idea of an economy, the idea of banking, the idea of having money and not just carrying around a bunch of chickens on our back to trade physical (laughs) chickens for like physical wheat, that's an innovation that we created along the way of human, the human experience. Mm -hmm. But part of what made it work was that you were valuing things that were increasing productivity and not putting values on activities that decreased, AKA reduced the means of supporting human life. So I wanna pull on this after we come back from a short commercial break, cause you've zeroed in that in on that so perfectly. So we're gonna listen to a few commercials and we're
0: gonna come back on today's news talk, TNT. TNT's Chris Smith. Some big news coming out of Britain this morning with an MP, an independent MP, taking an entire dossier with whistleblowers to Metropolitan Police in London to show how crooked the British government was in pushing vaccines despite the fact that they knew only too well from the contracts that they signed with Moderna and Pfizer that they could be deadly down the track. And we now know how problematic they have been. Well above expectations, well above expectations. That's not me saying it, that is the latest mainstream study that came out in new zealand last week chris smith on today's news talk tnt a better business tip from tnt radio the benefits of advertising on today's news talk tnt radio should be clear to businesses of any shape or size it can be accessed anywhere anytime by anybody and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. A hoax about carbon dioxide and the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
1: All right, welcome back to the second segment of the first hour of connecting the dots on TNT radio. I uh, am still joined here with Courtney Turner. We are talking about the scam of uh, the Malthusian takeover and the attempt to try to green global finance as part of the basis of a new uh, economic architecture that would value things that have been very alien and foreign to human uh, normal behavior for like thousands of years, basically. And they want to normalize things that involve making money doing less than nothing, actually depriving humanity of the ability to support life. Um, Cordy, you have made the point that um, they are professing on their websites that five quadrillion dollars is going to be able to be created somehow out of this shifting of our mindset about what is value. You have Biden passing an executive order, saying saying, uh, a couple of years ago, even that uh, we need to put nature on the balance sheets Yep. Um, could you say a little bit more about what this, this different turn of value is like, what, how are they planning on doing this and putting a value (laughs) on, on doing nothing or doing less than nothing?
2: Yes, so uh, so as I was saying about work? the uh, white w- the white paper by the UN at that time, ninety countries had signed on to you know the the idea of natural asset companies. whether they actually called it, that or not, the United States had not at that time, and they kept every article I looked up kept saying, but you know they, they will, they will. Uh, so what happens is they have to figure out how to put heuristics on you know valuing nature, which of course has not. It's mm. unprecedented. We don't value nature not as a commodity in that kind of a way, and so uh, this goes way back. They've been, you know, working on this for a long time. So in, uh, I think it was 1973, there was a book called "Small uh, is Beautiful." This was by Schumacher, and this started to bring this concept of how we could value nature. And then in 2015, Dieter Helm, who's a huge uh, figure in this whole uh, agenda. And uh, he wrote a book called uh, The Value of, what was it, Valuing Nature. Uh, I'll look up the exact title. I don't know why I can never remember. Nature, ca- Natural Capital, Valuing the Planet. And that was Dieter Helm in 2015. And then in 2016, there was a book by E.O. Wilson, who was a biologist, and it was called Half Earth. So, and then, of course, in 2012, we get this UN document with this. Uh, you know, kind of like the the Gap demon type of voodoo accounting system. And uh, you know, of course, that is not something typical here. We don't have that type of uh, a value system on nature. But it seems like they were waiting for the Biden administration. and uh, uh, as you mentioned, they did do this uh, executive order to put nature on the balance sheet. They also, adopted the UN's SEEA ecosystem accounting, they call it national strategy to develop statistics for environmental economic decisions. This is a US system of natural capital accounting. This is what we really need to push back on and associated environmental economic statistics. And it was done by the Office of Science and Technology Policy Office of Management and Budget Department of Commerce. And this was in January of 2023, that they uh, basically adopted the UN's uh, ecosystem accounting, and they. This is all part of Biden's uh, 30 by 30 plan, which. They renamed to, this is very, again, reminiscent of uh, what happened in uh, the middle 1800s, you know, under the name of conservation. They called it America the Beautiful because the 30 by 30 agenda (laughs) did not go over so well because people, I think, understood, more people are waking up and people understood that the 30 by 30 agenda is part of this UN agenda to have 30 percent of the Earth's land and water uninhabited by humans where humans cannot inhabit or produce on this land and this is a stepping stone to the E.O. Wilson's agenda which is the half earth where half of the earth will be reserved and humans cannot inhabit and if you look there's these maps and these maps of where The land that humans will be able to inhabit and produce. And it's like little dots. I mean, it's almost non existent. They really want to seize up all of the land and control of all the land. And part of what's really concerning about this is that, you know, under the guise of conservation, One of the things I told the Senate was that I know there was a bill being put forth, and now I'm going back on Tuesday uh, to try and get them to stop from passing this bill. Uh, I believe it's 1890 right now, although they renumber and rename things constantly, so we'll see. Uh, But I believe it was Lambeth who put this forth, and he's calling it agricultural easements. But the thing about the conservation easements is the same thing. The thing about conservation easements is that you could have a, a land trust, so something you inherited from your great grandparents, let's just say, and they enrolled in a conservation easement because they were getting some sort of uh, tax incentive or, or credit, uh, and they thought it was beneficial at that time. However, under this uh, the NACS, which have been withdrawn, they they're not moving forward with the NACS. But uh, you know, like I said, I think they'll they'll. They'll keep going and they'll find a way around yeah. it. So we need to be built vigilant yeah. and stop. Yeah. Um, but they, under that, they they have what's called ecosystem management services. So essentially they have controlling rights over the land and they could decide that you can't drill or uh, farm or Breathe even because, you know, the air is part of uh, the natural assets, natural resources. So this is really just so incredibly egregious and people could actually, you know, own land that they don't have access to that they can't produce on. So this is, yeah, very uh, disconcerting. So that's a
1: yeah, yeah, well, just the way that they talk about services too right like they're trying to really expand and extend something that specifically human beings do like we're we're the, the, the species that creates innovations, we provide services to each other that you could then financialize by having a store, you know, providing a service by by owning a convenience store or whatever. uh Now they're saying no. That's what photosynthesis is. It's actually it's not something we should take for granted. It's providing a service. It's a business. Nature is a business, yep. providing exchange. It's taking in sunlight and some some CO two, turning it into oxygen. And it's it's a service provided to us. So we always value services with money, don't we? And so of course, like you just said, we should see when we think of oxygen or CO two or photosynthesis, we should think of money right? That's just the only capitalist thing to do, right? <laughs> it's like, what? That,
2: that's how they're selling it. That's how they're packaging it. Uh, one of the cases that I made to them was that, you know, they're they're doing this all under the guise of conservation. They want to conserve the land and uh, uh, protect the land. But my argument is that I, I moved to Tennessee a few years ago and Tennessee has some beautiful, beautiful land. But the most beautiful land I've seen is actually farmland that's privately owned. And you may ask, why would that be? Well, uh, you know, it's uh, my assessment that and my observation that people, when they own something, especially if they do have a a business on it, but even if it's not, you know, a business that's uh, scaled out to other people, what if it's just to provide for their family? They take pride in it. They take pride in their labor. They take pride in their ownership because it's theirs. And so they're going to cultivate that land. And, you know, it's going to be a, a byproduct of their unique creative expressions, their their talents, their resources, uh, their energy and efforts. And that will all be uh, manifested and you will see, you know, the results of that. And so in my opinion, those are some of the most beautiful lands that I've seen, not the ones, you know, we have some beautiful like national parks and forests and whatnot. Uh, but I, I would really argue that it's a uh, people who, Uh, you know, have dominion over the land who produce the most beautiful land. I mean, they've taken, throughout history, they've taken unarable land and turned it into this, you know, flourishing, uh, you know, whether it be gardens or farmlands or, uh, but things that that are arable. And I, I think that's just, you know, one of the incredible, you know, Ingenuity of the of human species, and they're trying to rob us of that. And they're also really trying to not only starve us. I think that's part of the agenda. I, I think it's also they want to they need to terraform. They talk about the UN 100, which is a they partnered with the Boston Global Forum, and this is imagining the centennial of the UN, which of course would then be 2045. And they talk about at that time they would have an AI world society. They have partnered with Boston Global Forum. They wrote a book. Uh, It was Michael Dukakis, who was the former governor of Massachusetts, uh, who wrote this book, Remaking the World, the Age of Global Enlightenment. And they are talking about an AI world society where Ukraine will be the hub and they've done symposiums on how they have to rebuild Ukraine because it's been decimated by the war. We must rebuild and send lots of resources and funding to Ukraine. So it can be the centralized hub for this AI world society that will be connected to all of these other C40, 15-minute cities, smart cities uh, all around the world. And, I, you know, that requires a lot of power. So they're going to need some land and they're going to need some resources to terraform <laughs> so they can create this uh, what looks like a cyber Satan to me. But uh, that's just my opinion. They they seem to be saying they need to, uh, you know, destroy all religions and replace it with a one unifying religion. It looks like that's going to be a cyber uh, Satan, but uh, we're an AI god. Yeah, or some
1: weird an- fusion, right, of like some cyber Satan Gaia <laughs> worshipping remix, right? Like it's some sort of weird fusion, maybe, maybe with some UFO uh, blue beam elements added to the mix as well, just to like give it some flavor and some sacredness well, I, I that think people it- always... Yeah, yeah I think
2: all of those things are to get them to the cyber state, right? Because they need to terrorize people, they need to unify yeah. them uh, uh, around a common enemy, which is how we got this agenda in the first place, right? The document of uh, Limits to Growth, which is Club of Rome 1972, their 1992 document, the Global re- Reformation document, they admit. That it was essentially propaganda. Now, these aren't their words specifically, but I'm paraphrasing. They essentially say that, you know, nobody was going to buy into this junk science and they needed to find a way for people to rally behind it. So they had to create a common enemy. So, of course, what was the common enemy? They decided the enemy of humanity was man. This is why you are the carbon they want to reduce. Um, But now that everybody feels that man is the enemy, we are the problem, we are decimating the earth, we can all rally together to conserve, that's the word, under the name of sustainability, which of course is just a nod to the initiates that understand the 17 sustainable goals, uh, which really have nothing to do with preserving the earth or humanity. It is all about creating this uh, centralized governing body uh, that will enslave humanity.
1: Yeah, it's sustaining feudalism. It's not sustaining yeah. nature <laughs> or people. It's sustaining feudalism. Uh, exactly. uh, but, but you know, you've brought up already um, uh, in the course of your your deep dives, as well as you've alluded to it here, um, this the the occurrence of certain institutions. You you mentioned the Rockefeller Foundation, but the ones that really popped mm-hmm. into my mind that I, I think we'll will begin talking about. We'll we'll pick it up at the uh, after the, the next break. Is the World Wildlife Fund and mm-hmm. UNESCO? I know. I was just yeah. going on the. Somebody just sent me a link to the UNESCO website, and they were uh, pushing now uh, biosphere reserves, which are mm-hmm. also very clearly tied to another aspect of the architecture of the monetization yeah. of of nature. Um, you've brought up the figure of Julian Huxley in your research, mm-hmm. and the revival of eugenics. That's also mm-hmm. tied to transhumanism. We only have about three minutes before the next break, so maybe you could start. Pulling on that a little bit, and then we can pick it up uh, in the next, tw- in the last uh, little segment.
2: Sure. Um, Well, I will also add to that. One of the things people really need to be, and this is tied to all of that, is climate smart commodity projects. So back in uh, 2022, the SEC proposed a rule uh, that did go through where uh, all these uh, companies have to comply with ESG. They got some pushback from the farmers and you would think it's because this is a gross overreach of the SEC and they have no purview implementing such things. However, that's not what the pushback came from. It came from farmers who said they didn't have the infrastructure in order to be able to record their ESG. So no problem. A few months later, the USDA, which is the United States Department of Agriculture, announces they're going to invest $3.1 billion into climate smart commodity projects. And uh, they invested $90 million into companies like AMP. ADM, uh, $40 million into the Farm Journal, which I can only surmise is for propaganda purposes. Uh, you know, again, that's just a, a guess, but I don't know why else. And uh, so this is uh, how they will, this is part of the transhuman agenda, right? The track, trace, and surveil and whatever they can measure. And, uh, you know, they they can then regulate and control uh, so I think that's a huge part of that agenda, and that definitely needs to be stopped. but yeah, we we can get into this is all part of the uh, eugenics and Malthusian uh, plan that uh of course, and it's funny because uh with uh, UNESCO, which is tied to education, I've been doing a deep dive, but one of the things I also went into the state capitol to talk about was against the you know issue of school choice. And uh, I, I know the long history of those roots. And uh, one of the things that I came up, I thought it was funny, In uh, it was actually in the video that you sent, uh, was the uh, Morrill Land Act. And uh, that came up in uh, the research that I've been doing because the Morrill Land Act, which was signed by President Lincoln, uh, then gave uh, all these resources to Cornell and uh, uh, Yale. And uh, of course, it, it does seem like a lot of these, yeah, they they then got all of these resources for uh, the schools. And uh, this education agenda is part of creating global citizens, uh, which is, you know, what they want to do with the land. I think the land is part of, uh, if they can control the land, and they can, uh, you know, stop the production of the land, they can force people into cities, which as I mentioned, with the goals of the UN 100 is to have all of these smart cities that are all interconnected so they can force people into cities. They can turn the people who are still on the land basically into forced labor camps because now they can surveil and track them and make them uh, comply with specific regulations. And if they don't, uh, there will be punishment. There was another bill coming locally. And this is the thing that I really want people to understand is these there's a there i think we have more power locally than anywhere else but a lot of the local initiatives are coming from a much bigger agenda you know uh, the federal apparatus i think is just answering to this uh you know more global uh type of ideology and so they're pushing these bills through and another one and a lot of times these local uh politicians don't really know that they don't understand the bigger picture and so they're pushing another bill that's a foresting uh bill and uh, in it, I can see when I read the bill, it's very clear that this is all about laying the groundwork for green police, and that is what we're going to see the, them try to push. They want green police, so if you are in any way impinging on the quote-unquote conservation of these lands, you become a criminal, uh, and you will have to pay not only monetary fines, but potentially other um, yeah, ramifications, so...
1: You know, it's, it's horrifying. It's horrifying that they have already like that. There's this idea of creating some sort of a green SS stormtrooper operation to police people's productivity and make sure that they don't use the, the more than their allotted fertilizers as farmers mm-hmm. or their allotted permission to whatever. Right. To produce X yeah. amount according to your quota in order to keep your social credit score going. And right. uh, these There were blueprints of these things leaked in Canada, too, um, that freaked out a lot of farmers in Saskatchewan that called for setting up a green policing operation here uh, to surveil farmers. There's something similar in France Mm -hmm. uh, that would be tied uh, to their law enforcement mechanisms already. It's much more advanced in France than it is here, but it's it's coming in both directions. And And like you said, that's something that they're clearly pushing across the board. And most people were good people, elected officials in the state level Mm -hmm. or local level. They just don't know on the city councils. They need people to citizens to go and educate them. They're normal human beings. They're not in on the so-called agenda. They're not in on the joke, but they don't know. So what you did and what you've been demonstrating uh, for citizens to really use as inspiration that we actually have more of a power than we realize to be to to influence the thinking of policymakers is a very important thing. We're going to pull on this a little bit more when we come back from a short break on uh, today's news talk. TNT.
0: Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. When it comes to the left-wing media, we all know by now, they call Donald Trump every name in the book, and they
1: don't cover his speeches very often because they say he lies. Donald Trump lies about America's greatness. Donald Trump lies about America's men and women in uniform. Donald Trump lies about what small business owners and entrepreneurs and, 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 and the geniuses
0: of Silicon Valley and what the, the geniuses on Main Street, USA, what they're all doing.
1: And so-called fact checkers have been living off of Donald Trump. But if anybody dares to fact check Joe Biden, <laughs> well, watch.
2: It is ridiculous yeah. that The New York Times fact checked Joe Biden on something. I mean, he vomits lies, Trump vomits lies. And he, every day, over and over and over again, and it's just ridiculous that the New York Times is doing a fact check
0: on, on Biden while they let Trump, why they're numb to the torrent of lies coming out of Trump's mouth.
1: That's former U.S. Senator Democrat Claire McCaskill, and that's what passes for our media right now. And it's not getting any better. Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here on TNT.
2: I want to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. I need to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. Why can't I eat, eat, eat apples and bananas? Support the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks to help provide meals to those in need. Join us at feedingamerica.org.
0: Navigating through the minefield of misinformation, intelligence operations, predictive programming. This is Connecting the Dots with Matt Aaron on today's News Talk TNT Radio. All right. Welcome back for the third segment of the first hour where I'm joined
1: by Courtney Turner, podcast host, researcher. People could follow Courtney's work um in the description box under this video or go to Courtney Turner. Just Google it. Uh Courtney, but spelt Court with Courtney. an E Courtney <laughs> Turner. Um, and you will definitely want to follow her work, Courtney. Um, we were talking there there's there's a lot of points that were brought up regarding the 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 common agenda. I was thinking about some, you know, the Mockingbird media. Sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> The the local news agencies think that they are telling the news. The local news reporters are thinking that they're just telling the news. They're getting a little uh, a little like memo from Associated Press. But mm-hmm. then, you know, you see these videos where somebody has done the job of just extracting all of the local TV channels reporting on a certain topic. And you're like, it's the same words, It's the same CIA stenographers talking yeah. <laughs> talking about Russia, this China, this global warming, this whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and it's the same language, same word. So they don't know how they are actually more like automata, like, like machines that are programmed <laughs> and less than human when they do things like this, uh, yeah. they give up their humanity. And it's same thing for a lot of the, 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 the legislator, the legislative, uh, elect elected members of, of municipal and, and, and state level offices even the federal level i I would say they're good people they don't know how the game works so it really helps that that we're educating that you're educating them um going through this you already made a point this is really important to emphasize they were defeated in a sense the battle was won but not the war they never give up the sec didn't allow for the 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 plan to go ahead there's too much resistance too much awareness but they're going to try it again we already see they're not going to give up this is a, a religion (laughs) It has all of the fervor of a crusade religion, so they're not going to give up. Um, But how did this maybe I both want to explore a little bit more what people can do, but also more importantly, also, like, how is this tied to the thing that wasn't dealt with after World War II? This whole eugenics doctrine that a lot of people have have only recently come to really explore in the last couple of years for obvious reasons. Um, How how is this how did this get rebranded? Like what how is this still eugenics? How did we not deal well, it, with this?
2: <laughs> yeah, it is definitely still eugenics. And I wonder if I have uh, the list here. I have been going through the Illuminati uh, documents because, uh, you know, I was reading Anthony Sutton's uh, Order of Skull and Bones. And the whole mm. like middle section of that book is how the order uh, took over education and uh, as I mentioned, that's the other issue I've been really fighting on. And they're all intertwined. This is all part of an agenda to make a, you know, it's a very uh, Hegelian, which I don't think it originated with Hegel, but I think Hegel really codified this notion of the state is God, right? State The state is this ultimate absolute. Um, and so we, he actually thought that we have no freedom except to. Uh, through our subservience to the state, uh, which, you know, mm. it, there couldn't be anything more oxymoronic to me, but but that, that is really what he believed, or at least what he put forth. And so, and of course, we're familiar with the Hegelian dialectic, and they really weaponized that. And I really saw it when I went to the Capitol, not when I spoke on the NACs, but when I went back for school choice, I had these individual meetings. And they have this mindset where it's a uh, I I keep saying that in Tennessee, I think it would behoove us to have a Democrat governor and a Republican legislator because they're so locked into this framework of Democrats are bad, we're good. So of course, if our, our Republican governor passes a bill it's good because it came from the republican you know and I, what I kept trying to stress to them was i really don't care if it has an r or a d in front of it if it is growing the government stripping us of our uh, personal sovereignty limiting uh, parental rights land ownership rights um and increasing the the tax budgets and tax expenditure then i'm not for it i really don't care if it has a d or an r in front of it but they just don't get that their framework their mindset is they're bad, we're good. And I actually tried to explain to them the Hegelian dialectic and they told me I was using big words that they don't know. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so <laughs> that was, that was interesting. Um, but I will just read this really quickly um, because I've been reading, this is a very interesting book. It's by Dr. Emmanuel uh, Man josephon And uh, he mm. uh, posits that the, the, uh, Communist Manifesto was essentially plagiarized from and I've been saying this forever Um, so he definitely really uh, corroborates this theory that it was a that Karl Marx essentially plagiarized from Adam Weishaupt and Clinton Roosevelt, who was related to our President Roosevelt. And uh, Clinton Roosevelt wrote a book that was called The Science of Government Founded on Natural Law, that was in 1841. And uh, for those who are not familiar with the history, of course, you know, Adam Byshoff uh, formally founded the Illuminati in uh, uh, 1776. I believe it was May 1st, 1776. And uh, then they got shut down only It was a secret society. The only reason we even know about it is because uh, someone who was carrying the documents was killed. And then those those documents were then released to the Bavarian government. This is very similar. Uh, you know, the Order of Skull and Bones was leaked through, you know, documents that were found. But, of course, it was... You know, a secret society and there was no even uh the russell trust that was uh uh organized uh, that it it was gilman who was tasked with creating this russell trust it russ the order of skull and bones was created by uh william russell and alfonso Taft. alfonso taff was related. That was the to the uh, opium uh, President opium
1: uh that was the opium smuggling uh agent william russell right who like managed yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: the uh, <laughs> the Anglo- uh the
1: american components of that operation against china
2: yes yeah. Um, and so uh, the but then the Illuminati did officially get shut down and there were these offshoots. There was the League of the Outlaws. And then that became the League of the Just. I think of them as kind of the forerunners to today's modern social justice warriors. And that was, of course, helmed by Marx and Engels. Engels, interestingly enough, was a linguist. So he really understood the power of language and how it could be uh, us- usurped, abused and manipulated. And uh, then he had the Communist League, and he led that. And he had these notes that were from uh, Roosevelt's Communist Manifesto. but what's called the Science of Government Founded on Natural Law. But uh, so he, you know, then that was what was used to create the Communist Manifesto, which Marx's name initially wasn't even on it. They did a whole publicity campaign for him, commissioned him to write several articles and journals along those lines, and then they put his name on it. But all of this, just to say that I think, you know, some of these, and I, I don't think it starts with Vaishov, but some of these ideas really are, uh, you know, what unify, and I would say they go back millennia. You know, I just want to preface that. I do think they go back millennia. But so it's to overthrow the existing governments and replace it by dictatorship of the conspirators, looting individuals and nations of their wealth throughout such devices as violence and war, capital and income taxes, confiscatory, confiscatory inheritance taxes, and eventually an end to private ownership of property, except at the hands of the conspirators who would own all the property and usurp the powers that such ownership would yield. Destruction of this all... Is from,
1: uh, this, from, so this, this is, is from, from... This is from this
2: book. It's obviously... Uh, it's from Roosevelt's oh. Communist Manifesto, which is written by Dr. Emmanuel M. Josephine. Um hmm. And obviously this is a translation with his bias. <laughs> you can see that coming through. Um, but I've seen very similar... Uh, lists that were in, uh, was it Eustace Mullins, I think, a book on the New World Order. And then the other, of course, in The Proofs of a Conspiracy by uh, John Robeson. Uh, and he was an insider at that time. The book was published in uh, 1798. And another book was The uh, Code of the Illuminati. Uh, which was also published that same year and interestingly enough uh, proofs of a conspiracy was used by George Washington to warn the American public of the infiltration of the Illuminati uh, in the French Revolution and the masonry and uh, the code of Illuminati was used by Jefferson to warn the American public. Uh, unfortunately we did not heed that warning very well uh, but, but, or I don't think people have learned from it today. So, uh, property except at the hands of the conspirators who would then own all property and usurp the power that such ownership would yield. Destruction of all religions, supplanting them with doctrines laid down by their conspirators. Destruction of the family and supplanting its discipline by that of the dictators. Internationalism that was required by the conspirators' scheme for control over one world involving the outlawing of patriotism and fostering of treason. Uh, so I read that uh, again. Obviously, that is his, you know, translation and interpretation. But I, I think that that's kind. Those are the, you know, tenets that kind of unify all of these agendas. It's this idea that we, of course, cannot because. Uh, if we, I think it was Margaret Breitfeld, and I'm not sure she came up with this, but uh, you know, it's either we own property or we become the property that is owned. And that's why they want to strip up of any, and I think they did that initially with the property taxes. So it's very interesting when our founding father, uh, you know, started the United States, they felt that property taxes were very, very important, uh, but it was very different back then because it was essentially more like a co-op. The people who paid property taxes, only property owners could vote back then and so it was kind of like if you think of a co-op building you know you are on a board when you buy your apartment and so you, the, you you're buying into this corporation essentially and that's how it was I, back I, then yeah
1: i didn't know this are you talking about after the revolution only property owners no then not not before the revolution only before property the owners revolution. could vote
2: only yeah on the state level
1: or on the yeah. colonial level um colonial oh level. okay yeah.
2: So i think that was the purpose of property taxes back then because that of course that was a way of funding the government now though you know that's not true we everybody can vote uh, in the united states um and i essentially see property taxes as a way that the government really leases your land to you you don't really own it what happens if you default on your property taxes and uh, you know, my theory is that when they're done pushing everybody into the city and bringing them to their knees because they can't—they—they they, even in their own documents they said that this conservation of the land is a uh, tantamount—it's uh, sorry, it's paramount uh, even over. You know human flourishing which essentially means that you know it's too bad if we can't provide energy or resources or food for human we have to preserve the land that's way more important that takes precedence. and so i think you know when they bring people to their knees uh, you know, and of course, this is just my opinion, but when they bring people to their knees and they, they push them all into these, uh, you know, surveillance grids where they, you know, they, they can geofence them into these 15 minute cities, uh, under this uh, social credit, digital currency, neo feudal system, uh, then the uh, remaining lands they will uh, be able to, uh, you know, Push everybody back you know either into the cities or have complete control over them into these forced labor camps type of situation and i think they'll also people who do remain ownership of land they're going to raise the taxes so high that people default and then they will seize all of that land too and that's actually one of the things they did uh, to decimate the, the roman empire why wouldn't they use the same place that's what they
1: did to decimate the roman empire
2: yeah they, they raised
1: the taxes I, uh, I, I I didn't I didn't plan on you just having that bombshell you just throw it out. So how do how do you do yeah, go on? Could you expand on that a little bit? Uh in the next two. <laughs> yeah, minutes? they
2: they outpriced the taxes. <laughs> they raised the taxes on the land so that they seized all the ownership of the land and then the people who were forced to, to see them they had control
1: oh the free farmers of course right I, I, this is something i <laughs> in the back of my mind it wasn't i didn't associate it with what's going on now but, but the it's modern, true they had the free right, farmers. i know but it's uh, why, it's why
2: wouldn't they use the same playbook isn't it the same people yeah, no, their children sucks, of course,
1: <laughs> of course. yeah then you had the indentured servants uh structure right and then yeah right and and then you become like the 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 it's not too many steps before you get into the the Diocletian reforms, where all of a sudden it's a, it becomes a law that whatever your your father and mother did, you you and your kids thus have to do uh, to maintain controls. So that's not too many steps away from that sort of thing. Um, exactly. Yeah. No,
2: it's. I tried not it's, to bring all of that in when I spoke to the Senate because I realized I already went too far beyond what they were, <laughs> you know, <laughs> processing. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah well, no, it, it, I think. Go on. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I think these ideas, you know, it's definitely this Malthusian uh, philosophy. You brought up like uh, UNESCO and you brought up uh, Julian Huxley and, uh, you know, they're just uh, carrying out this same kind of worldview, this same Malthusian uh, philosophy. And of course, UNESCO is also, I just think it's interesting that these two issues that I've uh, seemed to have become very active in, they're not unrelated. They seem very unrelated, but they're absolutely related. And it's because if you have a smaller population, it's much easier to control them. And I think their goal is to put them put us into a transhuman leading to post-human. Yes, post-humanism is a philosophy. They actually have several handbooks on it. It's called The Handbook on Post-Humanism. I thought there was only one, but there's multiple. And it is the idea of just what it sounds like, this post-human world. But I think they want to you know, put us in a transhuman leading to post-human world that is controlled by an AI-hyborg mind that they program. And somehow they think they will be uh, you know, immortal uh, and uh, they will have control over everybody. But it's much easier to have control over a small, limited group of people that can be their uh, serfs in their neo-feudal technocratic world than it is to have 8 billion people who could potentially have independent critical thought and not be so happy with being uh, serfs in there. Yeah, yeah
1: you no, know, that's so. a good point because like a lot of these these creatures with their their ivory tower, cold, calculated ideas that they've gamed in their in their computer models, they've generated their scenarios according to whatever computer models they're using have generated outcomes that they think that they then guide their own planning okay. for this whole new world order dystopia. They they're using data sets that derive from like MK Ultra controlled environments in prisons in hospitals and schools but very controlled micro examples as their hard data that they then feed into the thing and it's like that is not a sample of anything honest about what humans are that's just you very artificially abused people that you're thinking that you could extrapolate to eight billion and it it never works we got 30 seconds left cordy okay um where can people go to find you to follow your work um
2: it's CourtneyTurner.com. And again, <laughs> it's spelled like Courtney. So uh, it, it is pronounced Courtney, but it's spelled like Courtney. C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. And you can find all of my podcast platforms there, all of my articles, all of my social media. Thank
1: you, Courtney. All right. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much.